0: We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Good morning, uh, happy Advent, uh, merry almost Christmas. Glad you are here. My name is Josh. If I don't know you, uh, I would I would enjoy meeting you. Uh, in fact, my role um, I'm on staff here at the church. I'm an elder and pastor. My role at the church is actually meeting people. So if I haven't met you, maybe I'm not doing my job. Uh, so help me do my job, and if I have met you, um, let's meet again. That, I've, I I don't think there's anyone in here that I don't want to meet again. So, uh, yeah, I I would enjoy, uh, getting together. Um, yep, you're welcome. Even you, even you, I like. Um, today I have the privilege and responsibility of proclaiming God's word, uh, Vince, Vince is re engaging. He has been back at the building doing work. This just feels like a bit much at this time. So we will see him coming back soon, though. Um, I guess I just want to take a moment and just say thank you. Uh, you all have been incredibly gracious with the blacks, um, you've been incre- incredibly gracious with the elders and with, with uh, the church staff. Um, I would not, this is going to be double negative, and it's not in my notes, I would not want to be in another body. Um, And part of that's just come from time of being with you all. Even as I look across at you all, um, it makes even preaching, doing something that I'm not comfortable necessarily doing, just a little bit easier. So I just want to say thanks. As I've reflected upon this year, I've just felt incredibly grateful for your kindness. Um, Advent, uh, if you're new with us, uh, Advent is a little bit different for us at the town church. Uh, generally, we teach in a systematic way up here, so we'll choose a book of the Bible and preach all the way through it. Uh, we've done that for years now, uh, but every once in a while, during, sometimes during Easter, sometimes if there's something pertinent, and during Christmas time, we'll, we'll take more of a topical approach to uh, engaging the scriptures. Um, so over the last uh, four weeks, this being the fourth week, we've talked about hope, love, joy, and peace, and that being found in his son Jesus, specifically in Jesus being sent, Advent. Jesus becoming manifest. Jesus becoming Emmanuel, God with us. So um, so yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. So we're in our last week of that before Christmas, and so we're going to tackle the Advent uh, theme of peace. So I don't want there to be any surprise. Uh, as, As we work through this, I'm going to just start right now and just say, this is what we are going to talk about. I'm going to make the case that peace is only found, and JR's hit on this, it was in our Advent reading, it was talked about, peace is only found in God's presence. That's the only way that our world will experience peace. And so we're going to make that uh, make that point as we go through the scriptures. I want to see a show of hands. I think I know the answer to this, but who in here has felt a lack of peace or tranquility this year at some point? Raise your hands. Okay? If you didn't raise your hand, maybe, maybe you came from that kind of church that just didn't raise their hands, or maybe it's true, and uh, I would really like to learn what it looks like to not experience peace. I think we've all experienced a lack of tranquility, a lack of peace as the world sees it. And so the Bible is filled with verses to give peace in the midst of struggles, worries, anxiety, tribulation, and fear. There's lots of verses. So writing or preparing a sermon, unlike going in an expository way, is really difficult on a thematic issue like peace because the Bible's filled with it. There's a couple of reasons for this. One, I think one I have not experienced much non-biblical peace this year. It's been a very unpeaceful year. And so that makes it hard to think on the issue of peace. But number two, and I'll talk more about that in a bit. But number 2 what makes it difficult is God in his very nature is the prince of peace. We just we we just saw that from the prophet Isaiah So if you were going to preach on peace, you could choose any number of verses specifically about peace, or you could choose any number of verses about God himself, and that is going to have some kind of uh, application for God being a peace giver. So with all that said, uh, this is not going to be exhaustive. Uh, It's not going to be an exhaustive teaching on peace, because you could go to a number of scriptures. Uh, Our primary text today will be in John 16, so if you want to turn to John 16, but just hold your finger there, because it's going to be a little bit before we get to it. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the back table back there. There's also some pine cones where Brent is there, Uh, so help yourself to a pine cone or a Bible, and uh, yeah, a pine cone, that's right. Um, You don't have to take a pine cone, but if you need a Bible, there's one on that uh, that, uh, back table there. Um, Let me pray for us, and then uh, we will get into our text. Father God, uh, yeah, you are the one who brings peace, that we can feel peace when things are difficult or whenever things are hard, that we can feel peace whenever things are going really well, and we can know your presence. So I pray that we would experience your presence today in the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would know you more deeply from our time together, Um, and yeah, I just ask that uh, you would would use my... You told Moses, Lord, that you made his mouth when he had to talk to Pharaoh, so I know you made my mouth when I'm talking to the town church. So uh, use my mouth today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we think about peace, uh, it is something that we all long for. I said that. Peace transcends culture and time. Uh, we put peace on a lot of different things. We want financial peace. We want peace at our workplace. We want peace at home. We want a peaceful holiday. We want peace with our in-laws and our, and our biological relatives. We want, we want peace in all that we do. So outside of transcending culture and time, we see this in the Bible. Uh, 700 BC, the prophet Isaiah talks about peace. Uh, the nation of Israel was rebellious against God and they were experiencing a lack of peace politically in that they were going to be exiled by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. So Isaiah is giving warnings, but he also has a positive thing to say about peace. Isaiah also gave a message of hope to Israel, hope of the fulfillment of a king, a Messiah who would bless and save the nations, and his title would be the Prince of Peace. He would be the promised Messiah. He would be Jesus. The prophet Isaiah foretold many things about this ruling Savior, Jesus. Uh, Some of these prophecies deal with his life on earth, others his very character. So uh, Isaiah 9-6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These characteristics, all of these characteristics, are the very nature of God. He's a wonderful counselor. He's an everlasting father. He's mighty. He's our God. And he's our Prince of Peace. Jesus came to earth to bring peace into the world by being the Prince of Peace. Part of his very nature Part of his role on earth was to make peace between God and man. To be honest, uh, this year has felt... Uh, oh, nope Yeah, we'll just leave it there. To be honest, this year, is, uh, like I said a little bit earlier, I've, it's been hard to find comfort and even find peace. And for me, it's really been unusual, uh, especially this time of year. Christmas, the time of Advent, I usually love this time of year. Uh, stockings and sugar plums, lights and tinsel, ornaments, rocking around the Christmas tree, having a happy holiday. Uh, But this year has felt different. So all of that, I haven't felt a peace about that. And in full transparency, as an elder, as a pastor of this church, I've even lacked excitement or awe in God becoming incarnate, God becoming Emmanuel, God with us, god being manifest as a baby this year it's just lacked excitement understanding peace as the world sees it has been difficult because this year has been hard it's been hard to be a pastor at times it's been hard to be a husband at times it's been hard to be a friend it's funny as i think about this matt chandler if you're familiar with him a pastor in texas he says he gospels himself sometimes. And so I start thinking about this and I can start really going some dark places about who I am as a friend, pastor, as a husband. And he says, God loves me, God loves me, Jesus loves me. Even if you preach terribly, God loves me. God loves me even when I'm doing stupid things. God loves me when I'm glorifying him. I've had to kind of do that at times this year. I feel like I've let people down. I felt incredibly weary and tired this year. The trials have felt impossible in many, even this last quarter. Losing Ezra Black, seeing Jay LaMoster get hurt, watching many of you battle serious sickness, illnesses, seeing some of you wrestling with relational strife. We've been praying for Ross, that God would that God would heal. We've been praying for Katie, that God would heal their cancer. Watching family issues, watching people see their children not walk with God, watching people see their parents not walk with God. This is heartbreaking as a pastor, as a pastor who loves you. And it's taken a toll. There's days I come in here and I just want to look at the plants in my office or at the pictures on the wall and I just feel... I feel stuck. So it's really hard to feel peace when you feel stuck. Even as I look across this room, my heart breaks for many of your situations. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, really? I was recently at a building and I saw that sign and I thought, oh, that, that feels like a lie. Peace on earth and just goodwill towards men from minor road rage to major wars? And this church, the town church, doesn't have the corner market on suffering. We live in a world marred by sin, and peace seems impossible. We cannot find peace on earth. We must find it in God himself. That sign was false. God is the only one who can bring peace. I think part of my primary problem this year is not having a biblical view of peace. I've confused the idea of biblical peace peace, with tranquility, happiness, calmness, or predictability. This year has not been calm or predictable and has not always been tranquil or happy. In understanding the biblical view of peace, I've had to slow down and stop and reflect upon Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and move from life's current situations, current challenges, And as I reflect, this Savior King, Jesus, is also the perfect and spotless sacrifice that brings us peace with God. That's what we're celebrating at Advent, the giving of the lamb. As impossible as it may seem, the gospel must be true. A baby born in a manger, a spotless lamb provided that will be sacrificed for our sins in order to bring peace, it also transcends understanding the gospel is improbable and transcends understanding and yet it's true i've also found gladness in acknowledging christ's life that's this isn't part of this isn't a, a christmas advent baby manger sermon from filthy manger birth to bloody humiliating excruciating crucifixion Jesus, the Prince of Peace, did not always and arguably rarely experience tranquility, calmness, predictability in his circumstances. But his connection to the Father was one of peace. His connection to the Father was one of peace, even when he experienced pain and harm. So what does peace mean? What does it mean that he was the Prince and is the Prince of Peace? The title, Prince of Peace, recognizes that Jesus reconciles us to himself while we are still enemies of his, while we are sinners. In his peace, he is our Lord and Savior, crucified, risen, reigning, and returning. The best part of his government and his peace is it will have no end. His key, this King Jesus will reign in peace forever. One theologian I read this week, he said it so beautifully. He said this, He is a king of the most unparalleled clemency. Clemency meaning mercy or leniency and grace. Never was any kingdom ruled by a government so mild and gentle and gracious. He is exceedingly gracious in the manner of his ruling. His people by sweetly and powerfully influencing their hearts by his grace, not governing them against their will, but powerfully inclining their will. That sounds like Galatians, what we've been studying in Galatians, the work of God in the life with grace and mercy. The peace of God can give us great hope in our God, but what about our circumstances? What about the difficulty we are experiencing? Even though Jesus is the Prince of Peace, he did not live without difficulty. He experienced grief. And he understands our grief, and he provided us peace through his presence and his care. Isaiah fifty three four through seven. Uh, we, we we read this at Christmas time often, but it's powerful. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten, which means defiled or smeared by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was opposed he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that that's before its shears is silent so he opened not his mouth jesus knows our pain jesus experienced peace in the father's presence jesus final words before his death and resurrection is referred to as the farewell discourse so if if you're in John uh, chapter 16, this is where we're going to go through this. Uh, Jesus spends several chapters here giving extensive uh, instruction, teaching, care, prayers, and also uh, sharing about his death. And so in John 16, uh, Jesus has this very interesting conversation. I'm gonna, For time, I'm going to paraphrase it until we get to the verses that I'm going to share with you. Uh, so right before he was wrong, wrongfully arrested, unfairly tried, condemned to crucifixion, and gloriously resurrected, Jesus had this conversation. And I want you to just... So we're going to start in John 16, 19. But before we do that, I'm going to, read, I'm going to just share what's happening in the verses before. Jesus has explained to his disciples that he is going to go away from them and that they would mourn and be sad but that he would come to be with them again. He was talking about his death, and then three days later, the resurrection. But his disciples were confused. Jesus was using language like, I'm here with you now, and now I am going, and then I will go away, and then I will return to you. And so they're very confused. And so this is where we pick up with Jesus' words. So the second part of 19, uh, if you want to follow along with me here. A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Then moving on, go down to 32. Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet, Jesus speaking, I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Starting in verse 20, Jesus confirms their fears. He says the world will rejoice. The world will celebrate my death. Your, my followers, they will weep and they will mourn. The disciples' feelings for Jesus are different from the world's views. Our view of Jesus is different than the world's view. One theologian I wrote, read said this, the obscurity and scandal of the cross is that it is opposite of what at first might appear. What first appears as devastation is actually the provision and the restoration God would provide for his followers and for his children. Jesus illustrates this in verse 21. Just like a mother bearing a child going through labor has great distress and has has mourning over it, when the baby is born, it turns into comfort and moves from sorrow to joy. In the pains of childbirth, a child is born, and there is great joy. Jesus' death, as painful as it is, in Jesus' resurrection, we may experience joy. So the painful labor of the woman is good, and the painful crucifixion results in a positive outcome. We must see the outcome. Verse 22 gives us great hope that joy will be permanent sorrow, no more. When Jesus talks about this, he is referring that he will come back. He will rise from the dead and be amongst his disciples. But most theologians would also agree it means when Jesus ascends into heaven and the Holy Spirit is given, that he will be with us. He will dwell inside those who know him. This joy is not based on the absence of any future grief and affliction, just like peace of, the peace of Christ doesn't take away our future trials. In this world, we will have troubles, but Christ is showing that in light of his death and resurrection, we can take peace. 32, verse 32, you see the disciples will desert Jesus, but the Father will not. Jesus can have peace as the Father is present. As I think about Jesus' last words on the cross, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Just before this, Jesus said, the Father is with me. In anguish, we cry out. We we cry out, where are you, God? When a parent dies, when a child dies, when a a parent doesn't walk with God, when a child doesn't walk with God, where are you, where are you? Jesus knew that the Father was present, even when his friends had left. Even Jesus' Jesus' friends who lacked loyalty were restored and received the promise of peace. Jesus uses the in me word in in verse 32. It's often thought that he's thinking back to John 15 where he talks about the branches, the branch and the vine, abiding in Christ. As a branch abides in the vine, we abide in Jesus. Those who abide in Christ will experience trouble, but will also have security in him. I think that's true for us as Christians. And I do say all of this with the caveat, caveat that it does not dismiss the sorrow and the grief of trial. Finally, verse 33. Jesus is our ultimate peace, and those who follow him can experience peace Even in tribulation, Christ calls us to stand firm in the face of adverse circumstances. This sense of courage can be found in the accomplished work of Christ and the peace we have in his nearness. That is what will give us real peace. Jesus concluded with a triumphant note Take heart, have peace. I have overcome the world. This is a great encouragement for us Christians. It is also a great comfort that in our trials and tribulations, God doesn't just overcome the world, but he is also present and understands our trials. So we experience peace in God's presence. I think we experience this two ways. We experience it in his presence in that he understands and that he is near to us. True peace is not found in our circumstances, but in the sweet presence and connection of God and knowing that he cares for us. We can be assured of this as we pray, as we read the Bible. We know from Galatians that's not how we're saved, but that deep, intimate relationship can be fostered through those things. We can experience God's peace in Jesus when things are good and when they are difficult. That's amazing. The world does not have that peace. God's presence and his understanding, his nearness and his nearness to us Can help us in pain and trials. It can be a great comfort. Hebrews uh, two eighteen tells us that God, in His nearness, He understands and helps. For because He Himself, Jesus, has suffered when tempted, He is able to help those who are being tempted. Our God is not estranged to pain. In this particular passage, God shows that His Son can relate to our suffering temptation. Jesus lived a perfect life but did not live a tranquil life. He knew hardship and pain. He knew grief and tears. He knew what it was to be sad. He was rejected and despised by both those who did not like him and even his friends. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. Think about the many buckets I've poured out over Ezra Black. Think of the many tears I've poured out over some of your griefs. Being a pastor is hard. I'm thankful to share in your griefs. And I'm thankful that you've shared in ours, the staff, my personal griefs, the Black's griefs, the Lamostras, Thross. Katie, thank you for sharing your griefs. Christ knew loss. Some of you have lost a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a child, a grandparent, a grandchild, a friend this year. That grief is not unseen by our God, that grief is deep. Singer-songwriter John Mark McMillan uh, had a song this last year that came out that gave me a lot of comfort whenever Ezra passed. Uh, a good friend showed it to me. It's been a great comfort. McMillan sings in the song, uh, the song's called The Road, the Rocks, and the Weeds, that God came to dwell amongst us as, and to be with us. And the striking line in the song is this. Well, I've got no answers for heartbreaks or cancers, but a Savior who suffers them with me. And Aphrodite would not weep, nor Zeus would suffer for the weak. But have you come to stand inside my pain? I'd say, yes, John Mark McMillan. Christ has come to stand inside your pain. And he's come to stand inside your pain, and your pain, your pain and your pain. As I as I kind of come to a conclusion, I want to read our welcome over us again. To all who were weary and need rest. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares. To all who fail and desire strength. To all who sin and need a savior. This church opens wide her doors. A church of all of us being being caught up in this with a welcome from Jesus Christ, the ally of his enemies, the defender of the guilty, the justifier of the inexcusable, the friend of sinners. Welcome. I have needed this church desperately this year. This church has showed me a God of peace. Thank you. I'm... I'm grateful. I don't don't know where I'd be without this church. Christ has come near through you all. Thank you. Psalm 34 tells us this, The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted? God's near. Do you feel crushed in spirit? Take heart. He's come to save. What a God. God. What a peace. In this world you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace on earth and in the hearts of those who believe is accomplished only through Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. His birth is a provision of the spotless lamb. Peace can be found in the presence of God and his nearness to us. A peace of God that surpasses all understanding. A desire that peace... I desire that peace would transcend my understanding and my circumstances, and that it really is my prayer for you. Let me conclude with this. Paul says this to the church in Colossae, the book of Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The peace of God that we experience is not a lack of grief, pain, and suffering in this life, but an understanding that our God is with us in our trials and has experienced tribulation. Knowing that Christ dwells in your heart, that his Holy Spirit can give you a peace that does transcend understanding, as Philippians tells us, the baby boy born of a virgin in a manger came to be with us. He lived, died, and rose again and came to dwell in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God with us. And finally, Be thankful. Be thankful that we have been called. Rejoice that Christ rules in your heart. Praise God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be thankful that he is near. Be thankful that he understands our grief and pain. Rejoice that Christ is the Prince of Peace. That's our application. Be thankful. Thankful that we can find true peace in God's presence alone.